women have to factor in their infrating rhythm and we experience it over the course of our monthly cycle, but it is way too simplistic to think it just governs your period and your ovulation. And that's why I created the cycle syncing method. It has three pillars, food, fitness, and time management, all so that you can align with that infradian clock. And when you do that, you get out of hormonal chaos and you get in the flow. This is Sweat the Details, a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio. A podcast made for women by women that puts our training journeys, goals, and mindset at the center. I'm Tamara Pridgett. And I'm Adrienne Herbert. Every episode, we'll hear from athletes, trainers, and experts who will give us insights into how our bodies and minds work together in training and competition. In today's episode, we are talking about training with your cycle. We're going to dive into how we can learn more about our body and the ways we recover by working with, not against our cycles. Our guest, Alisa Vitti, is a women's hormone expert, author, functional nutritionist, and founder of the app MyFlow. Adrian, I honestly know nothing, truly nothing about cycle syncing. So I'm really excited to learn more about this and how our bodies work and how we can maximize our training and recovery and performance with our menstrual cycle. Yeah, Tamara, I'm also really excited to dive into this episode because I am somebody who has been trying to cycle sync for a little while. I've read a few books, I've read a lot of articles, but I'm certainly not an expert. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from Elisa. Yeah, it's definitely something that is intriguing. I've seen a lot of conversation about it recently, so ready to learn. So let's dive into this interview with Elisa Vitti. Yes, let's do it. Hi, Elisa. Welcome to Sweat the Details. We are so glad to have you here today. Can you tell us about how you arrived at where you are now with flow living and what flow living is. It's so great to be here, Tamara and Adrian. Yeah, it's an interesting story in the sense that I found myself at a young age with major hormone problems. You know, I was a young woman, I was obese, I was covered in acne, cystic acne all over my face, chest, and back. I wasn't getting my cycle. And I went to all the doctors and everybody said that there was nothing wrong. And clearly that just couldn't be true. (laughs) So at one point I was a student at Johns Hopkins University planning to become an OBGYN. And, you know, what does an obese, acneic girl do on a Friday night? Well, she's in the medical library trying to research what's wrong with her. And so in an obstetrics journal one evening... I came across an article that described my symptoms and a disorder called Stein-Leventhal disease, which was the original name given to polycystic ovarian syndrome. And all those symptoms just checked all the boxes. And so I felt really excited in a way because I had something to take to my doctor. And um, we did a whole bunch of testing. And when I came back in later for the results, she said, you're right, you do have PCOS. Sorry that we missed it. You know, and I was like, what do we do now? And um, she said, you know, we really can't do anything for you. These symptoms that you're having now are going to evolve into potentially other conditions like diabetes, heart disease, infertility, and cancer. We don't have a cure. We don't even have dedicated medication to fix what's wrong with you. But we do have some other medications that we can kind of use to maybe help some of the symptoms, maybe. And that was sort of a big... 
moment. And I just remember hearing my body say, that's not your future. So I decided that I would figure out what it is that was needed to really help rebalance the endocrine system. And that if I could do that, that I would build a platform, a new type of hormonal healthcare destination for women, because I recognized that I was not the only one. I mean, the statistics around hormonal issues are staggering, right? 80% of women will have a hormonal problem in their lifetime. Did not know that. 80%, okay? And right now, as of this moment that we're speaking, 50% of the female population has a hormonal problem right in this moment. Mm. So flowliving.com was born out of this desire to build a destination healthcare platform for women's hormones that really solved what, in my research over the past two decades, has really come to be unnecessary hormone problems that you deal with from your first period to your last. And I say unnecessary because the only reason why they're happening is simply because you haven't been taught how your body works and how you have to work with your body to make your hormones work optimally, to biohack like a woman. And that's sort of where I come in as a a passionate period person to help you understand how that works. And Flow Living works with women all over the world to um, help them deal with their period issues, their infertility issues, and anything that's going on with perimenopause. Amazing. I think, to be honest, there's so many questions that we have for you. And I'm sure the listeners are probably, you know, just really desperate actually for this information. And, you know, when you mentioned then about working with the flow and figuring out that once you have this information, once you figure out what's going on and, and you get some of the answers, I guess, to our questions today, hopefully that's going to really help them and they'll be able to implement some of these things into their lives too. Yeah. And I mean, I, I should say that implementing my own protocol years ago, you know, resulted in me having 60 pounds melt off my body without deprivation, for example. My skin cleared up, my cycle and ovulation restored. You know, I was able to have a child at 36 naturally, right? So it's amazing that we've been fed a whole bunch of mythology that says your period is supposed to be miserable, your hormones are mysterious and unfixable. Once you have a condition or a problem, if your moms or your aunties had it, you're stuck with it for life, it's your destiny. It's all mythology, but it really does hold us back because we believe it and so therefore we take no action right, to mm. make changes that might help us. But yeah, I, I, I do know the pain and suffering that women are going through. It's way more than just affecting your period, right? It affects the quality of your life. Women who have chronic pain from endometriosis or fibroids, I mean, or just even really bad cramps, you can be taken out of your life for a few days out of every month. If you add that up, that's years of your life where you're not getting to be at your A game because of this alleged hormonal curse <laughs> that we really can do so much. We have so much agency over our hormones. We just haven't been taught the right way to do it. Can you tell us what cycle syncing is, why we should do it, how we can biohack our cycle just to perform better, whether it's athletically or just day to day? So the second book that came out in the flow came out in January of last year. I was writing this book because I wanted to answer the question, why is it that so many women are still suffering with hormonal issues com you know, compared to men and just compared to ourselves? Because in the past five years, there's been an explosion of normalizing the conversation on social media, in wellness sites, like we're all talking about our periods, which is amazing and historic. Mm -hmm. But 
we're still sick hormonally. And why is that? And so I dug in, I dug into the research and I found two things that just totally blew my mind. The first is that, and you should know, be aware, women are left out of medical fitness and nutrition research. Hmm. That is significant because (laughs) what that means is anytime you hear, okay, HIIT workouts or intermittent fasting, that's the thing you should do. That's going to get you the results that you want. The gender that was studied was male and the results are there for optimizing the male ecosystem. The assumption that is being made by the researchers is that women are you know, we're just smaller versions of men. So whatever's working for the guys should work for the girls. If you even just say it out loud, it sounds crazy. You know, we've got to just move forward from that and really start including women in studies. Because what we are finding is that things like intermittent fasting, for example, which confer all these benefits to guys and to postmenopausal women have the opposite effect on women in their reproductive years. So if men get increased autophagy, increased sugar utilization by the cell, improved brain function, improved metabolism, women in their reproductive years, when they do intermittent fasting, they have the opposite. They increase brain fog, increase insulin resistance, uh, damage thyroid performance, and can shrink your ovaries, wow. right? So It doesn't translate. The research that's coming out that's being done on men doesn't apply to you. So anytime you read something forevermore, you should ask the first question is, who was the study done on? And if it wasn't your gender, don't do it. (laughs) Don't try it. (laughs) Because it likely, if it's not including your biology, then there's no guarantee that it's going to support your biology, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing. The second thing is that I uncovered that women have a second biological rhythm called the infradian rhythm. This infradian rhythm governs six key systems of our bodies, our brain, our metabolism, our stress response system, our immune system, our microbiome, and our reproductive system, which includes our period, our fertility, and our sex drive. If you are disrupting it, then you are forcing those systems of your body to perform suboptimally, right? You're not going to be thinking at your clearest. You're going to have more brain fog. You're going to have immune issues. You're going to have metabolism problems. You're going to have period problems. And you're going to think that they're all somehow disconnected. But once you understand the science of the infradian rhythm, then you'll see that everything is connected through this. Just like it's too simplistic to think that the circadian rhythm only governs your sleep-wake cycles, Women have to factor in their infrading rhythm, and we experience it over the course of our monthly cycle, but it is way too simplistic to think it just governs your period and your ovulation. Like I said, it governs these other systems of the body. So when we factor that in, and I looked at these two things, I said, no wonder women are suffering at a greater rate than men, and no wonder we're still suffering, even though we have all this conversation about menstruation taking place, because without the foundation of the infradian rhythm to stand on, Everything that we're doing, like we're not eating the right calories at the right time of the month, we're not doing the right workout intensity at the right time of the month, and all of that disrupts the infradian rhythm and causes you to have more symptoms with your cycle and then other symptoms in these other systems of the body. It's a game changer. And that's why I created the cycle syncing method. It has three pillars, food, fitness, and time management all so that you can align with that infradian clock. And when you do that, you get out of hormonal chaos and you get 
in the flow, not just in the flow of your hormones, but in a peak state of flow with every aspect of your life, which is how nature intended you to feel. Fantastic every day of the month. There's so much good stuff in here. I'm honestly sitting here nodding along. As I mentioned, you know, <laughs> I sync my cycle, but it's a new thing. And you, you're right, it's a game changer. If anyone's listening right now and they're thinking, okay, there's a lot here, it can be so overwhelming. And when you broke it down then into, you know, food, fitness, time management, I'm thinking, okay, let's kind of break it down. So maybe starting with fitness, you know, if you're a listener of the show and somebody who wants to optimize their workouts for each stage of the cycle, yes. where should we start? Super easy. Just understand the science. Ready? Here it goes. You have four phases of your cycle, follicular, ovulatory, luteal, and menstrual. These each have unique hormone ratio signatures that cause certain structural things to happen in the body like ovulation or the creation of the endometrial lining or the loosening of that lining. But these hormonal signatures also affect our metabolism and in the case of uh, fitness, our resting cortisol patterns. So in the first half of your cycle, follicular and ovulatory, you have lower resting cortisol levels, which means that you can do cardio till your heart's content, do high intensity interval training and go hard with your workouts. By doing that in the first half, when resting cortisol is lower, you're going to build the most lean muscle, the easiest and the fastest, and you're going to use stored fat as fuel. Once you cross over ovulation and you're now in the second half of your cycle in the luteal phase, resting cortisol levels are higher just naturally, right? And the studies show that you must not do cardio or HIIT workouts at all. Mm -hmm. If you do do them, you're going to, ready? Take notes. Turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. What does muscle wasting mean? Meaning you're going to, instead of using fat as fuel. You're going to burn your muscle? Yeah. Ooh. So here you are trying to be good. You're trying to just, you know, stay committed to your workout plan, but you're staying committed on the premise of what optimizes the male hormonal pattern, which follows a circadian pattern, which means if you're a dude and you want to biohack and you want to build your lean muscle and burn your stored fat, you do want to do the same type of workout day in and day out. But if you have ovaries and you have all of these female hormones, you do not want to have the same training intensity daily. It will undo your results. So the first half of the month, you're doing your cardio, you're doing your HIIT workouts, you're building lean muscle, you're burning stored fat. If you keep doing that after ovulation, you're going to cancel that effort out. You're going to negate it. And so we have a, a four-letter acronym to sort of give some human energies, I guess, to each of the four phases. And we call that the power acronym, P-O-W-R. So in the follicular phase, you want to think about preparing. In the ovulatory phase, you want to think about, you know, opening up expansion. In the luteal phase, you want to think about work, right? Like deep work. And in the menstrual phase, you want to think about rest. And this has implications beyond just your fitness. It also has to do with your brain changes. Your brain changes up to 25% over the course of the month. This was discovered by Dr. Catherine Woolley at Northwestern University in 1996. So what workouts should you do in the luteal phase, right? For example, you want to do strength training without a cardio component because that's what's going to build your lean muscle and burn your stored fat and jack up your metabolism and you're going to get huge results without actually really doing any cardio. It's remarkable how efficient the female body is 
Um, we are just designed more efficiently because, you know, no big deal. We 3D print human beings. So we have to have a more efficient <laughs> metabolism. And, 3D print. You know, no, big, no big problem. And so, you know, that's the idea that you don't have to work as hard every day to get the gains. You want to think about training yourself, cross-training yourself over the course of your cycle so that you get huge benefits with the least amount of effort and certainly by decreasing injury, right? And then during the bleeding week, you can walk, you can do yoga. Yoga, Pilates, any sort of like active stretching and sort of recovery type stretching workouts that you can do. A lot of women really enjoy doing yin yoga, which is a specific type of yoga that's really about restorative poses. So you just want to work smarter as a woman, understanding all of these aspects of your health and your hormones and not push because it's the pushing that actually disrupts your hormones and causes a snowball effect. And then all of a sudden you're having really bad PMS. And now it's not just hell week during your bleed, but it's now also hell week during PMS. And then that backs into having you know symptoms during ovulation. Now you're having breakouts. And then instead of feeling energized when your period ends, you feel tired during the follicular phase. These are all signs that you have been disrupting that infradian clock. And it has a trickle down effect by not synchronizing what you're doing in the correct alignment with these cycle phases, you start to feel the effects pretty quickly. I have two thoughts that I want to clarify before we move forward. So first, when you said cycle, initially, I just thought about like the days that you're bleeding, we're bleeding. Yes. And, you know, I'm just going to admit it because I'm sure there are others out there like me. I really only consider that to be my cycle. I really don't pay much attention to it. I'm like, okay, it's here. Tampon, boom, boom, period, underwear. There we go. So just to clarify, the cycle is beyond just when we bleed, correct? I love so much that you brought this up, Tamara, because it is only with language around our cycle that I have found this lack of precision in any biological description anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. There's like a technical term for every single thing everywhere else. But for us, for our cycles, you're absolutely right. It is so confusing. The bleed is the menstrual phase. Got it. Right. Okay. You have a cycle. It is a month long approximately. Okay. And then you have a bleeding week where you're bleeding. Okay. (laughs) And that's really clear, right? (laughs) Yes. I'm glad we got that clarified because like I said, I know I'm not the only one that was wondering that. No. And that's important because the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists in 2015 decreed that your cycle is now to be considered your fifth vital sign, Hmm. which means that you want to take it as seriously, any symptom throughout your cycle, you want to take as seriously as you would take the other four vital signs that they take in the emergency room, like your temperature or your blood pressure. If you have an elevated temperature or elevated blood pressure, you have been conditioned and trained and educated to take immediate action and seek medical help, right? You wouldn't Mm -hmm. be like, oh, you know, whatever, I just have a fever, (laughs) right? But we totally do that with our periods. Like, oh, whatever, I have PMS. Oh, whatever, I have fibroids. Oh, whatever, I have heavy bleeding and clotting. Oh, whatever, I feel terrible 50% of the month. We brush it off because we have no idea what we should be doing when our hormones are imbalanced, we have been very disempowered to take action because we haven't received a proper education and that has to change. Got it. So earlier you were speaking about the circadian rhythm and the infradian rhythm. Can you explain how those two go hand in hand? Because we kind of touched on them separately, but how do they work together? 
Yeah. So the circadian rhythm, you experience it every single day, right? And that really has to do with cortisol patterns for your sort of day-to-day experience. So right before you wake up, your body releases the maximum concentration in a healthy individual of cortisol that you're going to have for the day. Then you have a couple of other surges in the morning and early afternoon, and then it starts to decrease in the mid to late afternoon and evening where you have the lowest levels of cortisol throughout the day. This is sort of a circadian cortisol pattern. And this is one of the ways that it influences your energy throughout the day. It's really important, right? Because if you had, let's say, the same level of cortisol throughout the day, it would be impossible for you to relax and go to sleep. So this is one of the ways that you experience it. You also experience your circadian rhythm with the timing of your bowel movements. So your, your bowel is most active in the morning and the least active during the middle of the night. So that's how the circadian rhythm kind of functions. And really think of it as sort of a layering effect for women once you hit puberty from your first bleed to your last you have this secondary clock that works in parallel to the circadian clock so you have this happening you have your 24-hour cycle right you have a sleep-wake cycle and you have an infradian clock that governs this elegantly complex set of hormones that you have that are you know part of this reproductive system right? So because you have that system in a way that is unique, um, we needed a, a different biological clock to govern that as well. So with a whole month cycle as a picture, I know you mentioned one month and you bleed for one week typically, but I know, you know, from myself, I'm speaking to friends, some people, they might be 22 days, others it's 35. And, and some people might bleed for three days, others bleed for seven. So if you're just like listening to this and thinking, okay, I'm going to start taking note, I'm going to start tracking, I'm going to start trying to get onto some kind of um, rhythm so I can biohack and get scheduled. What's the best way to go about that? And if your cycle is longer or shorter, does that mean each phase is the same or do you have one longer phase than others because it's not always like a calendar month right yeah so i use these terms loosely because everybody has a unique hormonal pattern for how long their cycle typically is you need to establish what's normal for you some women have a 28 day cycle and that's normal for them other women have a 32 day cycle that's normal for them the range that is you know, studied to be healthy and normal is anywhere between 27 and 32 days, right? Mm. That's sort of, that's a normal range. If you're having your cycle between those timings, that's good and healthy. Anything that's happening sooner, like if you have a cycle every 22 days, something is off with your hormones. If you have a cycle that's longer than 35 days, something is off with your hormones. And so that you want to look at as part of how you evaluate your cycle health as that fifth vital sign the length of the cycle as a whole. You also want to look at the length of the bleed. So a healthy range for bleeding days is anywhere between four and seven days. If it's shorter than four days, we've got issues from a hormonal point of view. If it's longer than seven days, there's also hormonal imbalance there, right? So you want to check the length of the bleed itself. Then you want to look at the color of the bleed, if it's a fresh, healthy red color, all is well. If it's dark, you know, really dark colored blood with clots, that's typically indicative of excess levels of estrogen that have built up too much of an endometrial lining and now it's coming out in heavy clots and dark colored blood. If it's brown, kind of like prune juice colored, right? You want to look at that because that could mean that you're not making enough progesterone, which could mean it could have effects on your cycle length and your fertility. And if it's light pink, like 
pink lemonade, right? That could be indicative of not enough estrogen, especially if you're overtraining. You have short cycles, like three or two or three day cycles, and it's light pink in color. That could have a whole set of side effects in terms of bone density and heart health. And so you really want to look. All of these things are biomarkers for you to start to biohack your hormones. And you've got to be looking before you flush every month, certainly. And then on top of that, you do want to add in a tracker. I built the MyFlow tracker. It has a circle icon um, to help you not just understand when you're going to get your period. It's so that you can understand, why am I having a symptom during ovulation? Why am I breaking out during ovulation, right? You need to understand why that's happening. There's a reason why. And it's different from the reason why you might be breaking out or having PMS symptoms in your luteal phase and why you're having cramps. There's a reason behind that that you will learn about if you're having that symptom by tracking in the MyFlow app. And it will tell you kind of what you can start doing with food and supplements to really make improvements so that you can improve your period month over month. You should have a symptom-free, healthy cycle, healthy colored bleed, optimal amount of days. You can make that happen if you start interacting with your cycle with food and lifestyle. Elisa, as you were talking, you know, I was thinking a lot about, you know, at Under Armour, we look at the, the fitness three pillars. So train, compete, recover. And if you are someone who is a professional athlete or a competitive athlete, then you're not always in control of when you might have to compete or when you might need to train or, you know, when you can recover and travel and you might have a race that you're working towards. That's right. So for anyone listening who's thinking, you know what, I can't have complete autonomy over my schedule and training and competing, what would your advice be to those athletes? I would absolutely say that is 100% irrelevant. Think about it this way. If you train while you do have autonomy and control over your schedule in a way that optimizes your biology and your performance, right? You're making faster gains, you're recovering faster, you're having less injury and stress on the body. So overall, you're just training in a way that is optimal. So that way, whenever you have to go and do the competition, if it's in a suboptimal time, like if you happen to have to run the marathon while you're having your period, you know, there are a couple of things you want to do. One, you're going to be so well prepared because of the training schedule that you did do that was in line with your infradian clock, that when you do that, you're going to perform better than you normally could Mm. during that phase, A. And B, you're going to strategically support yourself, right? You're going to hydrate. You're going to use maybe Under Armour gear that helps you with heat management and recovery. You're going to do things that you know will help give you some compensation factors for what's happening with your body in real time. You should not go in to any competition just expecting that you should just arbitrarily perform it a certain way. You should go in with the awareness of where you are in your cycle and you should help yourself. All of it should be synchronized to optimize your biology so that you can give your best performance on the scheduled date, even if it's not optimal for your cycle phase. That being said, would be amazing if we could find a way to start to incorporate female biological reality into these events and the scheduling around them. Mm, Indeed. Yeah. And frankly, you should be evaluating who you're working with professionally, who you're paying to work with professionally based on how deeply they understand the science of your hormonal biology, Mm -hmm. right? Because if they're freaked out about a conversation like, hey, I'm menstruating, their response should be, thanks for letting me know. So based on that, we're going to switch up your training schedule today. That's Mm -hmm. what is needed. That's what women deserve because the science is there. 
right? For example, in the first half of your cycle, your metabolism is slower, okay, relative to yourself. And so you should and can successfully restrict calories, not extremely, but just, you know, eat less. In the second half, once you cross over ovulation, studies are conclusive that you need 279 more calories per day in the luteal phase. Your metabolism speeds up. Why? Why does your metabolism speed up? Because, oh, you know, no big deal. You're just manufacturing an organ out of the micronutrients of your body, the organ being the endometrial lining, right? That could be the substrate of conception, (laughs) right? Is that when people say they'll have cravings then? They'll say like week three or week four, Mm -hmm. they're like, I'm craving carbs, I'm craving sugars, I'm craving more satiating food than in the first two weeks. Yes, because your metabolism speeds up and when you stick to the diet of, let's say you're doing 1,200 calories in the first half of the cycle and you're trying to stick to those 1,200 calories in the second half. If you do that, then your body is going to secrete a neurotransmitter called ghrelin because your metabolism has sped up and it will make you hungry for those 279 extra calories. So instead of waiting to become hangry and binge eating things that are not in your best nutritional interest, Mm -hmm. proactively eat slow burning carbohydrates. It's so critical to dial those calories in, um, to dial the workouts in the right way. And once you do it, even for one full cycle, you feel immediately the difference. Yeah. You feel energized, you feel brighter, you feel more powerful. And that's how you're supposed to feel. Absolutely. I can attest to that. You're right. The more I learn about it, the more I kind of actually pay attention and make sure that I'm kind of yeah aware of uh, tracking and stuff. It's making a huge difference. And actually now, if I can look at my schedule and say, you know what, I'm going to do that in my power week, then great, because I know I'm going to show up. I'm going to have good energy. I'm going to feel like I can basically do anything um, as opposed to later on when I don't have that. And I think it shouldn't have these huge fluctuations, right? So hopefully with time, it's, it's going to get better. But I know for a lot of women, they do have these big changes week to week on week. Yeah, it shouldn't, you're absolutely right. It shouldn't be that way. And the more you use the cycle syncing method, Adrian, the more you're going to find that that power week becomes a power month. So for example, let's talk about the brain changes and the time management piece, because I think it's pretty revolutionary. So most of us associate, for example, the luteal phase with feeling bad, right? The PMS phase. The only reason why you have PMS is because you have an improper ratio between estrogen and progesterone. Specifically, you have more estrogen than progesterone. What you're supposed to have by nature's design is more progesterone than estrogen. And you feel very energized throughout the month. Progesterone is a powerful hormone and we only have it for those 10 to 14 days during the luteal phase. It has a calming and focusing effect on your brain. This is, in my experience, having been doing the cycle syncing method now for two decades, this is really your power week. If you want to get stuff done, if you want to carve out time to write your book or do your thing with work, this is when you want to do it. You can do this with fitness too, because this is when you can get the most muscle gain by just doing heavy lifting. So again, as you cycle sync more, you're going to learn that each phase is powerful. The follicular phase is really about brainstorming and new ideas and trying new things and trying new fitness classes and doing that dance cardio thing you've been thinking about trying. Um, The ovulatory phase is really because of the hormonal pattern there. You have your peak social and verbal skills. 
So, you know, schedule talks, schedule first dates, have fun with your friends, go to networking events, you know, with a mask on and that kind of a thing. The luteal phase, that's when I try to get as much done as possible. And then in the menstrual phase, actually what's happening with your brain chemistry is that the right and left hemispheres of the brain are speaking the most to each other at this time, which makes you primed to evaluate what is happening in your life, in your career, in your fitness. You can evaluate the facts and how you feel about what's happening. This is the gift of the infradian effect on our brain chemistry. And every week is a power week. If I didn't have the ability to synchronize all of the various things that I do for my self-care, my career, and my parenting with my cycle, I would be 100% burnt out, no questions asked. Uh, But being able to do this, I've been caffeine-free for 20 years, for example, (laughs) and I have boundless energy because I'm leaning into my biochemistry in in the way that it wants to, and that gives me huge, huge benefits. We are going to take a short break, but don't go too far away because we are going to be right back. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sweat the Details. I really think this is going to be helpful for so many listeners. I know it has been for for myself. So Tamara, shall we move on to our final section? Yeah, so we have a fun segment lined up that's called Super Cycle. We're going to give you a list of common menstruation management practices, and we want you to tell us if they're super or if maybe we should be looking to level up. This you ready? is hilarious. I'm so excited. I've never, a first, a first for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel like we're going to get some myth busting. So uh, during our period, should we indulge in junk food? No. I mean, you, first of all, you should <laughs> indulge in things whenever you feel like you want to indulge in things. But no, I mean, you should not ever just, you know, lay on the couch and eat bonbons and chips and um, fried foods, that's a sign that your body's not getting the nutrition that it needs and that you're deeply fatigued and you're missing calories and and there's been an accumulation of that over the month. So if that's happening to you, don't buy into the cultural narrative that says that's what you should be doing at this time. You should look at it as, oh, some biofeedback here. Something's not right. I need to change what I'm doing. So during the bleed, do we need more sleep? So should we be sleeping in? Should we be taking a nap? I think if you are recovering from a major hormonal problem, PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, you want to consider napping a workout at any time of the cycle, okay? Because you're still recovering if you're actively recovering. If you're not actively recovering and your cycle's okay, then you know you don't necessarily need more rest during your period. If you're very fatigued, that's a sign that you haven't been caring for your infradian rhythm enough in the other phases of the cycle. You've been pushing too hard. There's a reason why you're tired. You have to ask yourself, why am I tired? But I think, you know, resting is something that we should embrace a little bit more as women because we do so much. We really do. We caretake our families, we caretake our friends, we give more than is asked of us in our careers. Um, We always seem to put ourselves last. So if you do find that you just want to rest, by all means, resting is is a-okay. Should we take medication for PMS and cramps and pain that we may experience during our period? I mean, listen, if you're in acute pain, right, and you need some sort of analgesic or ibuprofen or something that's going to help you, you know, in that real time, then you need to address that. 
However, you need to really start to ask yourself, what is the source of this pain? And that's really important because there's two reasons why you'd have pain. One would be that there's something structural taking place in the uterus, like endometriosis or fibroids or adenomyosis that would be causing you to have more painful cramping. The other reason would be biochemical. And it turns out that we have these three prostaglandins that control uterine contraction and relaxation. Nature has designed you not to be in pain, and we know that because you have two prostaglandins, PGE1 and 3, that control uterine relaxation, and you only have one prostaglandin, PGE2, that controls uterine contraction. So you're not supposed to be in pain. You have twice as many relaxation prostaglandins as cramping ones. If you eat the wrong fats, fats that are high in omega-6, you increase the production of that PGE2 and you suppress the production of PGE1 and 3, resulting in inefficient action of the uterus, more pain than is necessary to expel the endometrium. Mm. By changing the fats and focusing on increasing more omega-3 fatty acids, you're going to actually invert that ratio and have more PGE1 and 3, more efficient action of the uterus, no pain. Mm. It's, it's remarkable. So you, you want to get to the source. Don't accept it passively like, oh, you know, it's a period supposed to be painful. We're cursed. No, no, no. Mm. Figure out what is happening. Is it your diet or is it something structural with the uterus and you need to have some other medical attention to deal with it? Mm. Well, one more actually on diet. I know you mentioned that you've been caffeine free for 20 years. Yes, but what about caffeine? Is there a specific phase where people might be thinking, oh, I just can't survive without my caffeine? Are you going to feel the effects more in certain times in the month? Yeah, so... 50% of the population um, has a deficiency in a gene that makes an enzyme that breaks down caffeine in the body. And if you have that gene variation, you actually, by taking in caffeine, create caffeine toxicity as a response in your body. So you can go on the Mayo Clinic's website and even just look at caffeine toxicity and understand what those symptoms might be. If you find that you're more anxious after you drink caffeine, that's a sign that you're not breaking it down, for example. But if you were going to take it on, I would say taking it on in the first half of the cycle is going to be the best time to use it and not at all in the second half. Because again, resting cortisol levels are higher naturally in the luteal phase. Putting in that caffeine in the second half is going to really hyperactivate the adrenals, make PMS worse, and deplete micronutrients that you need to get through that mm -hmm. second half successfully. Because every time you drink caffeine, it flushes vitamins that are water-soluble and it's not a good situation. So I would avoid it more than you think you should and never, ever have it as breakfast on an empty stomach. Have food. You need food. You are not a dude. You need food in the morning <laughs> uh, all the time. Final question. What are your thoughts about using heating pads to treat any discomfort, pain one may be experiencing? Yeah, I think that's great. Heating pads, I think CBD oil topically is good. I think, you know, some women use the old-fashioned castor oil packs. These are things that can really help um, loosen the fascia, which is the connective tissue that is part of your pelvic floor and the pelvic bowl, if you will. So little hacks like this make a huge difference. Thank you so much, Elisa. This has been so wonderful. I've certainly written half a page of notes. I have more mm -hmm. questions, but I hope that the listeners will hopefully feel empowered to take some of this knowledge, action it into their lives, start to track their schedules, start to train in sync with their cycles, but also to keep learning about this and to do more work and to find out whatever information they need to be able to perform at their best, feel their best and really optimize their training and ultimately their lives. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I look forward to a future where we all as women 
biohack like women and stop using the stuff that's not applicable to us because we deserve that. Yeah, you definitely need to come back because I feel like there are so many other areas that we didn't really even get to explore. So you're welcome back anytime whenever you want to talk about this. I would love to anytime. Thank you again to Elisa Vitti for sharing all of that incredible knowledge about how our bodies work and how powerful it can be to embrace the functions of our cycles. It was such a great and intriguing conversation. I really love that she said that we should definitely be talking about our cycles with our coaches and our trainers just so that we can create a training program and a plan that works best for us and not against us. And I was just like, yes. Hmm. Yeah, of course. I wrote down, honestly, I wrote down notes because (laughs) as I mentioned, I was very enthusiastic during the episode because honestly, I kind of feel like how did I go through my entire 20s without knowing this? It was just like a surprise every month. Whereas now that I am, yeah, tracking and trying to cycle sync, it has been such a game changer for me personally and my training. So I hope that the listeners are going to really get a lot out of it and start tracking their cycles as well. Yeah. And when she was like, your cycle isn't just like the days that you're bleeding. It's this like whole, you know, period. I was like, oh, good to know, because I had no idea. But, you know, the more you know. So I'm definitely going to be thinking about all of these things for a while. But now I think is a great time for us to check in on our goals. Okay, so the weeks are flying by and I actually can't believe this, but my race, my half marathon is less than three weeks away. This weekend I did my longest training run in a while. So I did 10 and a half miles. I I did negative splits. So I was trying to increase my pace with each mile. And I don't know, it started off, I wasn't feeling great, but then suddenly about mile six, mile seven, I just got this boost and I was like, oh, I started to feel good, pushed through it and then finished really, really strong. So it was a good training week. But as I say, less than three weeks to go until that race. So yeah, feeling good, but it's come around really quick. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be so much fun. I think running races, no matter the distance, there's just always so much good energy. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's how it is for you. Yeah, I really hope so. So how about you, Tamara? Yeah. So for the listeners that are new or who maybe forgot right now, my goal is to one, get back in track shape two train for the heptathlon and then three compete in the heptathlon. So right now I'm just doing my foundational training just to get back into the groove of things and to also just not like overwhelm my body, especially my hip. I had a training session the other day and I was just like, in the zone. I haven't felt that way in a long time. So great. I feel good. I'm happy. I'm like, I just want to like repeat that energy, that feeling like over and over and over again. That, I mean, that's great. And those sessions, you really have to, yeah, celebrate those. Yeah. I was also like talking to myself in third person, like you're amazing. You got, you know, like doing all these weird things like to hype myself up. So I think that was also a part of it. Well, that all sounds great, Tamara. I'm so glad that you've had such a strong training week. And for the listeners of the show, please let us know. Keep us up to date on your goal progress. Let us know so we can cheer you on and you can keep supporting and cheering us on as well because we all train and improve and get stronger together. So if you want to reach out on social, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Adrienne underscore L-D-N. And you can find me on Instagram at Tams Going Ham and on Twitter at Tamara Pridget. 
That's it for this week's episode, but don't forget to join us next week when elite ultramarathon runner and Under Armour athlete EO Wang joins us to talk about endurance training. This sounds like it is right up your alley, Adrian. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait for this episode because also I just want to get some top tips from EO myself before my race. So I can't wait for listeners to join that conversation as well. Until next time, stay tuned in, stay motivated, and don't forget to sweat the details. If you liked what you heard on the show, subscribe for free or follow the show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. Sweat the Details is a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio. Our show is hosted by me, Tamara Pridgett. And me, Adrienne Herbert. Our executive producers are Jess Schreibstein, Giselle Lewis-Archibald, and Molly Socha. Our supervising producer is Maya Cole. Our producers are Ellen Kaplan and Kellyanne Toll. Our assistant producers are Natalia Tamayo and Bella Walco. And our sound editor and engineer is Sarah Gibble-Lasca. Keep up with the latest news in women's fitness by following Under Armour Women on Instagram at Under Armour Women.